Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Hart. And I'm Alexa. Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. Our house in the middle of the street. Our house in the middle of the... Do you not know any other lyrics? I, I do, but I can't think of them right now. <laughs> um, but basically the song is about like a house that's just very, very full of like all of the friends and family and how there's always like chaos going on. Yeah. It seems pretty apt right now. The difference between having two cats and an adult dog and having two cats, an adult dog, and a puppy is, like, it's vast. <laughs> it is pretty vast. Um, we, yeah, like, I mean, the the two cats and the dog, adult dog, are, there's a lot of chaos that's going on on a regular basis, but it's usually, like, acute chaos, <laughs> And I, I don't mean like, you know, oh, it's so cute. Like, I mean, like, it's only like punctuated chaos. Like you have like 30 seconds of chaos out of every like hour of the day. With the puppy, it kind of inverts that. It's now like 59 minutes and 30 seconds of chaos and 30 seconds of calm. So yeah. th- that's kind of that's kind of fun. But I think this may be the last recording for a while in the shared open floor living room, kitchen, dining room. We yeah, might yeah. be converting a pod loft <laughs> of sorts. We, because... We've talked about creating a pod loft for a while now, and we haven't really needed to. And I kind of always liked recording in the the shared space. And now we do. We need it. <laughs> we need the sound dampening. We need the we need the all of it really. We need a break from like animals in general because what's been happening is the puppy, like everything's new to the puppy. So Mm -hmm. everything startles him Mm -hmm. and like he gets going and the other animals get going Mm -hmm. and our dog gets going. And so it's just, it's like a chain reaction every time one thing happens. So a few moments ago while we were recording, um, our cat, uh, Zora jumped down from a chair And he didn't know she was there or the puppy didn't know she was there. And so suddenly a cat just appeared next to him (laughs) as if by magic. And, you know, I mean, it probably was magic knowing knowing Zora and knowing cats in general. Um, But, yeah, he he just immediately assumed it was witchcraft um, and lost his goddamn mind. (laughs) (laughs) We just heard a yelp. Just hear this piercing yelp through the entire uh, the entire like house. Um, it's like that meme with Dwight and Angela from the office mm-hmm. and like Dwight is just like laughing and then he's like, yes, oh, fuck. and like Angela's oh, fuck. right behind him. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, no, that that's accurate. I, I think our neighbors may also hate us as well, um, but they probably hate us for a plethora of reasons, possibly because we loudly record a podcast at, you know, one o'clock in the morning on weeknights. I don't think they can hear that. They can definitely hear the dog. They probably can hear sometimes. the dog yelping. <laughs> But he's really cute. He's so. very cute. Have we posted pictures on Instagram yet? No, but I think it'll okay. happen. Okay, well, I mean, our our social media girl is maybe falling down on the job a little bit. Hey, social media girl is also editing the episode. That's true. So <laughs> what, do you, what else do you want? But also sound mixing guy could also pick up the slack a little bit and probably step up to, to managing social media as well a little bit. So, Yeah, 
In in case you don't know, it's just the two of us, and this is all we're referring to. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll get a puppy pick up there pretty soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in between my jobs, like I I'm mm-hmm. now unemployed mm-hmm. for two weeks, which yep. is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've never taken time off between jobs. And now I have time to like do a special podcast project that mm-hmm, we've been planning, mm-hmm. which is we're going to rewatch season one of The Witcher mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. preparation for um, season two, which is coming sometime, according to a clickbait article <laughs> I read, sometime, sometime in, in 2021. 2021. <laughs> it's definitely happening, maybe. It was really funny. It was like release date is official. And official it was like, release date in of Witcher 2. I'm like, are you kidding me? We know this. Generally, we knew this. They like, just wrapped filming, and it's April. Mm-hmm. I would hope that it would come out. I mean, it, it could be. It could year. be early 2022, but we don't know. I don't know. We're we're on like a Game of Thrones schedule at this point. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Corona. Thanks, Obama. So we are expecting to start releasing mm-hmm. a very special series, which will have its own name and theme song very yeah, shortly. Yeah. Uh, it may be sung by our uh, by by us, uh, <laughs> which is going to be fun uh, and going to be interesting. We hope our fans will be nice and have a have a sense of humor, and you know, at worst, they just fast forward through the the intro song. I won't be offended, but I also do want to let you know that I was in choir in my elementary school. So if that persuades you at all to listen to it, then I mean, great. I was not in choir, um, but I did stand near an orchestra pit one time. Okay. I mean, that's like all that's that's (laughs) like years of experience right there. Just distilled down (laughs) into one moment. So, I mean, I should basically be an expert. Yeah, I think that like it's. It's really amazing to me that you didn't go to Juilliard. Yeah, I mean, or the Crane School of Music, you know, be a craney. Is that a thing? Yeah, actually, that is actually, I, I did know at least one guy who went to went to the Crane School. Where is the school? Uh, New England somewhere. I know it's like the next, like, it, like it's the, the competitor to Juilliard. You bring all of the expertise. To yeah, the table. yeah. <laughs> I had a buddy who went to a music school. <laughs> <laughs> You're hired, sir. Wow. When can you start? This this is why you tune into this podcast. Yes, which, for for the fine career advice. Which, by the way, so we are a Witcher podcast. Um, we are a literature podcast. Okay, that we, is focusing right now, on the Witcher. in this era of time. We yes. are a Witcher podcast. All right. That covers all things Witcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have been recapping, of course. Um, why do I struggle with this book? It's my favorite. We have been recapping Baptism of Fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are on chapter three. Okay. With that beautiful segue that you set us up for. Where um, I almost forgot the book again. <laughs> like last week I said Time of Contempt. Yes. I am so it, lost. Well, it felt like we were in the Time of Contempt for a contemptuous amount of time. Mm. Um, sorry. That, the that Time was... of Contempt era was very long. <laughs> it was very long. Um, it wasn't that long of a book, but it did just feel like we were just recording it forever. So, I mean, it's not surprising that your brain still kind of tells you like, oh, this is the book title. It's kind of like when the new year starts and you keep writing the last year for the next like six months. Just wait until we get to uh, Tower of Swallows because I can never remember that one. Okay. Okay. Um, and you're going to probably, we'll, I'll probably, we'll both call it like baptism of fire for at least like four or five episodes. 
You just got to read the episode notes. And yeah, that yeah. Tell <laughs> That'll tell you where we actually are. <laughs> we are Witcher experts, TM. And yes. we are bringing you nothing but accurate information when we remember it. So I know unreliable narrator is a thing. Is unreliable podcaster a thing? I think that should be a literary trope. Unreliable podcasters, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think that would be apt for us. I have one time read a Wikipedia article, okay? I'm basically an expert. So I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, do you want to move into the, the long and the short? Yes. Okay, excellent. Let's do this. We're going to take our horse down mm-hmm. to Old Town Road. Okay. Um, which... It's seen better days. Um, yeah, yeah. Old Town Road is used to be a main thoroughfare. Mm-hmm. It's like if you've ever, if you live in the United States um, and you've like gone on a road trip mm-hmm. and you go on an exit and mm-hmm. you run into this other highway that used to be a big deal. Yeah, it's it's like the highway that used to be the highway before like the major interstate came through. But it's unkempt mm-hmm. and like it really hasn't been a priority for because budgets. It, it's maintained by the county and right. not by the state. <laughs> so it's got some potholes. Um, in this case, um, there is not a lot of road left. Um, armies have taken entire chunks of the road mm-hmm. um, as part of gathering war materials. Mm-hmm. They were building castles out of the bricks in the road. Um, Zoltan curses the humans for stealing chunks of the road because it he they didn't do the sensible thing and take from the sides of the road. They took chunks out of the middle of the road, which left giant gaping potholes. But why not just take pieces from the sides of the road? Because then eventually at least the main channel through the middle of the road is still intact. Yeah, exactly. And he's basically just talking at Geralt and Geralt is saying nothing. Yeah, well, because he's preaching to the choir on that one. That, like, Geralt doesn't really see himself as a human. So Geralt is just kind of like, I know. (laughs) I know what they're like. I know what they're like. This cart Mm -hmm. that they've been pulling along keeps getting stuck. Yes. And as it gets stuck, Zoltan gets angrier Mm -hmm. because this cart is carrying, like, all of their belongings. It's carrying something all of their belongings and something important mm-hmm. but we don't know what yet zoltan is hoping that the path is leading them to this nearby tamarian fort mm-hmm. he's hoping that he kind of knows where they're going like if they can reunite or meet up with the tamarian army at some point that mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. goal um so he is very optimistic while everyone else is a little bit trepidatious mm-hmm. so ironically they are able to find some sort of silver lining to this pillaged road, which is there's a side path that was used by the carts that were taking the pillaged war material. Mm-hmm. So they travel that way. And all along the way, they're just seeing fire and smoke on the horizon. Mm-hmm. It's clear that like the war is like very close. They're following the war. Yeah, yeah. They just want to know like who is burning and who is being burned at this point yep, because yep. it's very unclear. Mm. Like who's winning? I want to yeah. know who's winning. <laughs> it, which seems like an important thing to know, especially if you're walking towards a, a front. So they're passed by a riderless horse mm-hmm. as they're traveling and they recognize it as Kahir, mm-hmm. their rear guard. And there's blood on the horse. Mm-hmm. And so from this, they're like, He's dead. Yeah, they recognize course. it as Kahir's horse, correct? Yeah, they yeah. recognize it as the horse that Kahir has been traveling on. Mm-hmm. 
And Milva comments to Geralt, you should have finished him off. It would have been more merciful than mm. whatever end he came to. Yep. And Dandelion remarks, he got out of that coffin just to rot in some ditch. Mm. Geralt, as they're going along, um, actually doesn't end up giving up New Roach, the horse he's been complaining about the whole time. New Roach. He has developed somewhat of a begrudging respect for this horse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because we know he's mostly talk when it comes to hating a horse. <laughs> yeah, he's he kind of is actually a big softy when it comes to the horses. Zoltan um, ends up taking Kahir's riderless horse mm-hmm. and it's a little funny because his feet don't even reach the stirrups. Yeah, I mean, he's a dwarf trying to ride a normal size horse. But anyway, it is a new horse, so. Yep, yep, fresh that's, horse. That's a bright you know, spot. Fresh legs. As they're traveling, they see this bright fire on the horizon at night and they come upon a burned out village and it is just an atrocious scene. Mm -hmm. There are two dogs and a man gnawing on a rotting horse corpse. Mm -hmm. And by this, I mean like basically the shell of a horse. Like there's not much left. (laughs) But when they approach, like they cannot tear the man away Mm -hmm. from this horse. He's like sobbing. Mm-hmm. and eating it at the same time yeah like yep. it's that starvation mm-hmm. induced eating yeah yep. like it's devastating yeah they try to question him and he just kind of whimpers so they find a mass grave behind the village and then they stumble across a tree where men are hanged mm-hmm. like men are hanged as almost as if they were like the fruit of a tree mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this reminds me or must be what the tree in Velen from Witcher 3 is based on. If you okay. remember, there is a tree mm-hmm. at a crossroads. Yeah, that the, has hang, the hangman's corpses. tree. So yep. um, that's what I think of when I look at this. So Zoltan wants to go closer because he wants to see whose corpses they are because it yeah. might tell them more about like who's Who, winning. Who's winning. <laughs> and um, who they're behind. Yep, yep. And everyone's like, oh, that's morbid. And mm-hmm. Dan's line sort of going on about like, oh, you, you wouldn't know like just from seeing the corpses, like you wouldn't know strategy from your own arse. Mm. But anyway, he follows Zoltan when he yeah, goes yeah. to look at the corpses. Of course, because, of course. Of course. Yeah. Geralt reluctantly follows him and Milva follows Geralt. So they are all going to the tree. Mm. And then when they reach the tree, they see that the corpses all have runes carved on them Mm. and they're different like crimes. Yeah. So there's one that's labeled a traitor, an Mm. informant, Mm. an elf guardian whore. Mm Mm-hmm. And Zoltan is kind of overjoyed by seeing this because by seeing the Nilfgaardian whore and all of these like mm-hmm. people that are allied with Nilfgaard, he's like, oh, it's, oh, yeah, it's Marian is... army must have been yep. through here. That means we're like right behind them. We mm-hmm. can just go find them. These are our boys. And everyone's kind of like, well, not so fast. Um, Milva is like the voice of reason here. And she's like, Nilfgaard always sends scouting parties out very far ahead of the front. Mm-hmm. We could mm-hmm. run into them even if like the mm-hmm. Tamerian army is right in front of us. And um, we should think about traveling through the forest. Mm-hmm. It'll be safer at this point. And Geralt is like, well, there's just one problem with traveling through the forest. Mm-hmm. There are um, limbs missing from the corpses on the tree. Yeah. Meaning there are ghouls around. Yeah. Something's, something's been munching on those corpses. 
So, um, yeah. So our our choices are basically two bad choices at this point. Mm-hmm. Either continue along the main road, which Zoltan wants to do, mm-hmm. and risk being um, discovered by the Nilfgaardian army, mm-hmm. or travel through the forest and risk running into ghouls. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, a, it's a toss up on that one. <laughs> Zoltan is very freaked out by the ghouls and the parrot even comments fucking hell, mm-hmm. um, which it's always funny to get his commentary on this. Yeah, you got to get uh, field, field, field Marshal Windbag's yes. commentary. Mm-hmm. Yep, And he is a high ranking officer. So yeah, you, you absolutely. definitely want to get his opinion. You have to you have to take his opinion into consideration. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, he's very seasoned. War seasoned. Very war seasoned. Yep. Um, yes. The party decides, okay, we've got these two bad options. Let's just go through the forest, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they go through the forest. Dandelion starts singing a song relating to Temerians and not holes in trees. Mm-hmm. Um, the dwarves and the parrot are suggesting dirty rhymes throughout. So mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. embellishing as they go on. Yep. Um, and then they eventually come across a small stream and... Percival says, oh, that's the O. Mm-hmm. And um, someone asks A. Mm-hmm. And the person, the original voice says, no, it's the O, not mm-hmm. the A. Mm-hmm. The A is a completely different stream. So it's a very fun, like, who's on first? What's no, on what's second? On sec- and no, who's on second? What's on first? Yeah. Yeah. So um, they're... It's exciting to get to a tributary because they're trying to get to um, a body of water Mm -hmm. that helps them navigate a lot better. And so they cross the small ravine. And unfortunately, we have our our first casualty here. We lose the wagon. Mm -hmm. Um, The wagon falls into the ravine. Yep. Yep. Ooh, uh, fun side survival fact Mm -hmm. that um, if you find a river or a stream or a flowing body of water... Um, if you follow it downstream, almost always you will end up in a in a civilization, in a settlement of some kind. And that's really what they're counting on. Yeah, that it's is, a lot easier to yep. navigate when you know the body of water. Because yep, yep. what are most towns built on? Water. Water, yep. Again, Field Marshal Windbag comments, fucking hell. Yeah, yep. And uh, Dandelion's like, oh, it's probably better that we don't have the wagon. It was really slowing us down anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Zoltan is... Like, not okay with not this. okay of course and he's like okay here's what we'll do he orders a lot of his men to stay behind bury the cargo he says like you know what to do so they're kind of on plan b um make sure it's secret and mm-hmm. um like make sure to mark it because we don't yep. want to lose it and so he's like we'll meet you on the banks of the river you'll mm. know how to find us you can't possibly miss it yes but you also need to bury it so it doesn't look like there's something buried there yeah but you have to mark it so we mm. don't lose it mm. so it's a tricky and difficult yeah yeah yep assignment but it seems like this is something they've talked about before yeah yeah or something they have done before and um, so as Dandelion and Geralt get away from the dwarves and Zoltan, they start speculating about what was in the wagon. And Dandelion says, like, from talking to them, I made out that it's worth a lot and that they're betting their futures on it. Mm-hmm. And what each one of them wants is something different. Like one of them wants to be married. One of yeah. them wants to set up a blacksmith shop. Yep. So all of the, these materials are going to help them when they get back to Mahakam. Yep, yep. 
which I can never pronounce correctly. Is it Mahakam? <laughs> Is it Mahakam? Uh, Mahakam, Mahakam, Mahakam. Uh, I don't know. If you have a hot take on how to pronounce it, please message us, mm-hmm. DM us at Midnight Bookcast on Instagram. I am so curious. Yeah. They travel and navigate along this river. Mm-hmm. And it isn't long before Zoltan realizes they may be lost. Yeah. You don't say. Dwarf navigating the forest. Everyone's sort of outraged. Like, how do we get lost? Mm -hmm. Like, our whole plan was to follow this river. How can we get lost? There's only one road. You just happen to take it the wrong direction. Well, so this is the problem with following rivers mm-hmm. is they branch out they yeah, meander yeah yep. sometimes they go in a lot of different directions mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there is no way of knowing like exactly what direction you're going yeah yep so um everyone's sort of freaking out a little bit um mm-hmm. and like they're trying to figure out how to find their way again um because zoltan points out that the river is flowing in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. flowing the opposite direction that you it followed be. the one street in the wrong direction. Right. Yep. Um, so like everyone's arguing like, Oh, we could like go down into the ravine, but someone else says like, but we have women and children. Do you think that they're going to ford the river like all day with us? That's mm-hmm. going to exhaust mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. Plus it's going to exhaust you because you're going up, going down, going up, going down. Yep. And um, so it's revealed actually here that Geralt knows this area mm-hmm. because about three years ago, mm-hmm. as he was trying to find a shortcut to Bruges, mm-hmm. he wandered into the moor and mm-hmm. he has no idea how he got out. He claims he encountered a pack of mealy bugs. Well, no, he doesn't say that he encountered. He doesn't actually give details, but he says the problem with following the river closely is they could come across mealybugs. Okay. He only okay. says that the reason that he knows this area is because he got like stuck here and he, he wandered was carried into the moors. out on a wagon. <laughs> yeah. So we put together that this was the time that mm-hmm. he was carried out on a wagon after um, separating with Siri. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. goes into this forest. He saves a guy, makes him promise like what you already have, but do not yep, know. Yep. And then he gets carried out because he's mortally wounded. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. carried out on a wagon to Sodden. So that was three years ago. And that's actually helpful for our timeline to yeah, know how yeah. long it's been exactly. Yes. It's very difficult to keep track. We have we have a landmark in the chronology. And when we have a landmark, we pay attention to yes. it and we bookmark it. <laughs> yes, because the timelines are very wonky. Yeah. And uh, Dandelion's like... Oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. You met Siri and Rivendale right after that mm-hmm. and Yennefer soon after. Mm-hmm. So basically he confirms what we already know, mm-hmm. that this was the time in um, sort of destiny. Yes, yep, yep. This was something, I, and I believe this is the beginning of the first episode of the TV show, correct? No. We'll, we'll, go, um, we'll go over it in, no. our, in so, our TV recap. That is one of the final episodes of the first season. Okay. Yeah. But Anyways, we, we can talk about that we'll later. We'll get there. So, Milva smiles in recognition when Dandelion mentions Yennefer's name. Mm-hmm. So, it's clear that she kind of knows the story. Yeah, she knows what she knows the deal. So, Milva comments, like, you should go that way again. Like, we should travel in that direction because 
sometimes as the elves say lightning strikes twice mm-hmm. and someone's like well what do they call that the noose of fate or something like that mm-hmm. and they'll mm-hmm. just like don't bring that up the end line's like can we not bring up that because a soothsayer once said i would die on the scaffold and mm-hmm. two nights ago i dreamt i was being hanged yeah Ooh. and uh that's that's pretty uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people have been having these sort of prophetic dreams mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or like, I think that's a very clear theme yeah, is yeah. that people get these visions of the future mm-hmm. and it's very unclear and sort of murky, like what's real and what's not. We do know Gerald's dreams are correct mm-hmm. and they are actually what's happening, but mm-hmm. Gerald doesn't know that and no one else knows it. So, Well, how can you? Exactly. They eventually, as they're traveling through the forest, reach... Fen Cairn mm. or the Valley of the Barrows. And mm. it's a very mm-hmm. ominous site. Mm-hmm. It's a like a very beautiful graveyard. Yeah. Yep. It reminds me of if you've ever been to Gettysburg in Pennsylvania. It's just I this, have not. It's very interesting actually, because it's like a large plot of land, mm. but there's just these monuments that have been built over the years mm. to like mm. Uh, commemorate certain units that died so Mm, it's very mm. like it's beautiful but it's like ominously beautiful yeah yeah okay so there's just these mausoleums and so it's a very like amazing site Mm, it's a it's mm. an awe inspiring site but it's also scary because graveyard yeah because it's it's a giant graveyard (laughs) and uh zoltan is like i can sense the ghouls here and Geralt says um, no, there, there's no ghouls. Like, no. you don't have to worry about that. Um, and like Zoltan is like, yeah, but all the undead beasties are here and they're saying, Hey, dinner is coming to us tonight. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. Like this place is way too spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Other interesting side fact, uh, Max Brooks in, uh, how to survive the zombie apocalypse highly recommended, uh, traveling to a graveyard because once the undead all rise and leave, they don't come back because there's no reason for them to come back to a graveyard. Pro tip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Milva's like, okay, we can't keep going. We've been traveling all day and the women and children are about ready to drop. So we will have to spend the night here mm-hmm. tonight. Yep. And she like pulls out a silver tipped arrow and she asks Geralt, will this kill a ghoul witcher? And um, like... They, they end up talking a little bit about objects they could use to defend themselves against ghouls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Percival, um, the gnome, points out like, oh, I saw something. I saw a ghoul like somewhere in the distance. Mm-hmm, like we mm-hmm. should go investigate. Mm-hmm. And um, Geralt's like, I'll go check it out. Like calm the animals because they'll panic at the yeah. first sign of... Of ghouls. Ghoul- well... They'll panic yeah. at like anything like disturbances yeah, or yeah. like anything sort of magical. It was a slightly weird aside, but well, it was in there. So the animals are important since they're riding on horses. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoltan's like, I'm not letting you go alone. I'm going with you. And mm-hmm. um, so they approach quietly and Geralt notices right away his medallion is not vibrating at all. So that puts him a little bit at ease. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then they start noticing this. What's that? It's a smell. It's like really strong. Like lavender? It's basil, and lavender, basil? and anise. It's very, very <laughs> strong herbs. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Percival the gnome, who's also tagged along, is like, mm-hmm. Geralt, what do ghouls smell like? 
and uh, it's not bad. It, not it is that. Not that. <laughs> they do not smell anything like that. They smell like rotting corpses. Geralt notices that under this little um, mausoleum, mm. there is a like kind of a hollow underneath mm-hmm. it. There's a little door. So he taps on the door with his sword and a like says like come out. We all know you're mm-hmm. in there. We're not going to hurt you. Maybe. Maybe. And so a middle-aged man emerges. Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm. got gray hair, graying eyebrows, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. very, very thin, mm-hmm. black eyes. Hmm. And he says, good evening, gentlemen. You may lower your weapons. You'll see that I am unarmed. Mm-hmm. My name is Emil Regis. And I am a barber surgeon. <gasps> You've got your healer. Daughter. I got my healer. <laughs> and... That name should ring a bell to anyone who's played uh, at least the expansions for The Witcher 3, the Witcher Blood 3, and Wine. Blood and Wine, yep. Yes. Um, he is one of the best characters in the game. He's great. Is Regis. He's great. We'll talk about him a little bit more. We, we won't reveal too much more for anybody that hasn't played the uh, the games, but... Right. And uh, so Geralt tells him, your smell gave you away, like... I we, could, we can all we can smell, smell you. Like he, I have a sensitive nose, but everyone else could smell you from a mile away too. Yeah. Like um, it, you smell kind of good, but like it's strong. His guard is definitely down now, but he does ask like, is there a particular reason you were hiding from us? Mm-hmm. I just assumed you were a fugitive. Yeah. Mo- and Regis is like, aren't we all fugitives in a time like this? And like girls like get out. Okay. Sure. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Um, just, uh, we found a beat poet. Can we just leave him here? Uh, so Regis assures them that they have nothing to fear. Like, I hope I can expect that you won't do but anything fear to itself. hurt me. Yes. And spiders. And Zoltan right away is like, hey, like we could use a healer, a barber surgeon. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you have a cure for blisters? Because we have a lot of those. Because <laughs> my feet are on fire. Would you like to travel with us perchance? Mm. And Regis is like... I, I like it here. Like, this is my summer retreat. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I come here and, you know, chill out in my cabin nearby. Every summer, yeah. And uh, Zoltan immediately outs Geralt and says, oh, hey, I have a witcher right here. <laughs> and <laughs> Regis <laughs> resp- uh, turns kind of quietly and is just like, really? <laughs> yeah, he's like, a witcher? Mm. What are you? doing here are you fight are you planning to hunt any ghouls or creatures or or supernatural beings (laughs) just curious uh you'll see why later and uh regis invites them all including Mm. their entire party women and children um the gang the party is all invited to his cottage nearby Mm. um like you know you can all camp there for the night Interesting that he invited them into his hovel and not them, waiting for them to. You're hinting him. too heavily. Dahmer. Am I hinting too heavily? Okay, well that's enough hinting for now. And so they um, travel to Regis's cottage. Mm-hmm. Zoltan is, um, even though he was very open to going to this cottage, he like turns to Geralt and he's like, "There's something odd here." And Geralt's like, "You were like jumping at the opportunity to go to the cottage. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> you wanted to go to this dude's house, like." This guy regularly hangs out in graveyards for fun, and you want to just go to his murder shed? Yeah, and he's like, don't herbs grow in nicer places? Yeah. He says he's here from Dillingen, and he just like collects herbs. Like, Why yeah, is I'm, he here? I'm fairly certain I passed like 16 patches of lavender and basil on the way in. 
Um, so they're now on the um, in the exterior of uh, Regis's cottage, mm-hmm. and like Gerald's like, well, if you're so concerned about Regis, like, why don't you like go ask to borrow a fork? Mm-hmm. And like Zoltan is like, why a fork? And Gerald's like, why not? Oh, uh, okay. So there's that's a big hint right there. Um, but we're not gonna. We're not going to dig too You're deep into that. You're chomping at the bit. Oh, my God. I'm chomping at the bit so hard. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll get there. So, And so um, everyone starts entering Regis's cottage. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. like Geralt goes in too. And they right away, because they're dwarves, mm-hmm. hone in on the still. And it's beautifully constructed. Mm-hmm. And it it's seems like to have... eight feet tall mm-hmm. and hand-hammered copper. And like um, it's got like a... a a coiled like distiller condenser that's made out of like blown glass yeah, and it's like gorgeous. it is a like it like even Dalton comments that it's a work of art. And for dwarves to comment on this, I mean they are very dwarves fond of spirits. Do they are not. very <laughs> fond of um metallurgy yep. and crafting. So the fact that they are commenting on this is a major credit to Dwarves Regis. do not pay compliments for crafting. Right. And so Regis admits, yeah, I built this myself. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. have my special decoctions. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he's like, I've got this distillate of mandrake and belladonna. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's pretty rare because mandrake is rare and expensive. Mm-hmm. And Geralt is kind of alarmed. Like uh... his ears prick up <laughs> and he's like, Hey, wait a minute. As Zoltan is putting a drop of three or four drops Zoltan of it into his mouth. Right in. He's yep. like, hey, wow, this is really good. Yeah, this is pretty good. And uh, like Geralt is like, hey, like, do you want to taste some Regis? Yeah. And Regis is like, no, I abstain, but go ahead. Like, drink your fill, basically. He then goes on to talk about the fact that his distillation process and his 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 handling process removes all of the toxic properties from mm-hmm. the mandrake and the belladonna. Yeah. Which is why Geralt was was exceedingly alerted to the fact that like he this dude is making booze out of like it, it it's the equivalent of like making booze out of poison ivy. Right. Mandrake is not a super common like thing in North America. So for our American listeners, we don't usually address you guys directly too much. Uh it'd be the equivalent of like, yeah, well, I'm making, you know, vodka out of poison ivy <laughs> yeah like or like snake venom or something yeah yeah like, that. like it's something rather toxic like and it's pretty well known to be very toxic um and regis is like very intentional about this he uses mm-hmm. small quantities like mm-hmm. he knows his stuff yeah no he he's obviously been doing this for a while so then the conversation transitions to the fact that like Mandrake is very rare and very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and we can't afford to drink your very expensive and very rare booze. Regis is like, well, I've got like no shortage. That's actually why I come from Dillingen every mm-hmm. year because it grows in huge quantities yep. at Fen Cairn in that very cemetery. And like this batch will just end up going to waste with all the war going on. I don't think I can transport it back to Dillingen. Like you should all just have some. And like... Everyone's like, you don't have to ask me twice. I'm, yeah, oh, I'm all right. It. <laughs> uh, Zoltan had already poured half a glass. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Bottoms up. Yep. Um, so this is basically the equivalent of like, it's like it's like making booze out of a poison ivy black truffle. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> 
And uh, so Geralt goes and gets Milva and she comes in and like right away they're honing in on just this pile of mandrakes in yeah. the corner because it's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and mandrakes look kind of funny. Like they look like human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone comments that one of them looks like people bonking. Mm-hmm. Like one of them looks like... Milva rolls her eyes and yeah. is like, you guys never, never stop Mind in the gutter, that. always. Yep, always. Um, and it has many uses, but everyone's sort of like, wait a minute, like, isn't it bad that we're just like touching all of these? And Reed just assures them, no, it's only the fresh mandrake, which yeah, is poisonous. Yep, yep. It's part of the, it, yeah, part of the process is actually, so this actually reminds me a little bit of uh, cassava root. Mm. Um, cassava root is exceedingly poisonous, uh, when you pull it out. Um, but there's a, there's a way to process it, which I'm not super familiar with, um, but I was reading a couple articles on it recently. Um, cassava root is very, very toxic. But if you process it with uh, like ash from mm-hmm. a fireplace, it neutralizes the toxins in it. Um, and like the the article I was reading was basically like, how did early man like eat poisonous things? Yeah. Um, or learn to properly process poisonous things without dying. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was kind of an interesting article. But yeah, and it, it is really cool because there's a lot of rules around mandrake and when it can be mm-hmm, consumed. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like fugu fish. Like yes, how you yes. prepare it is very important. Yep, and we get into that in a few minutes here. So if you want to go ahead, sorry. They sit around in a uh, That 70s Show style circle passing mm-hmm, the flask mm-hmm. and uh, they yep. talk about the various uses of mandrake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a very well-known thing that sorcerers and sorceresses use it in many ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um as an example, sorceresses use mandrake mm-hmm. to make a uh, glamera paste, mm-hmm. um, which makes them so beautiful that people's eyes pop out of their heads. Mm-hmm. You may remember this is the paste that Yennefer put on her face when they're going into Gore's felon. Yep. Right yep. before um, Siri is taken to uh, Eretuza. Yeah. Okay. So, um, they then turn to discussing mandrake root and mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. you even get it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about the legends around like, oh, you have to pull it, like tie a string to an animal mm-hmm. and the animal um, pulls it out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Because um, the mandrake is supposed to be like animated and actually like verbally casts curse on the whoever pulls it up. Yes. And it screams and the scream causes paralysis. Right. Which I kind of wonder if that's... So I... I had a comment while we were reading this. I don't know if that's actual like folklore of around Mandrake in the real world. Um, or if that's something that like, um, so this Anse and the Witcher are contemporaries of Harry Potter. Um, I, and I don't Rowling. think that, and we can talk about Mandrake a little bit a little later. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think that either one was necessarily inspired by the other. But, yeah. So I have to think that it's probably a legend. This is probably part of the folklore. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah. And so a lot of people are saying, like Zoltan saying, I heard that they scream and wail when mm-hmm. you pull them out mm-hmm. of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's clear that this is a big, um, it looms large in the collective imagination yeah. of the continent. Yeah. So the idea was that the you you get the animal to pull the, pull the mandrake root out. Mm-hmm. The mandrake yells all its curses at <laughs> yes. the thing that pulled it out, which is just like the pig that you tied it to. Yeah. And then the pig gets all the curses and you're fine. Yeah, um, so Regis sort of chuckles softly mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, corrects all of their misconceptions, mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm. that 
yes, the roots are very toxic. Yeah. So it's sufficient to pull it out with a um, rope, mm-hmm. but you don't mm-hmm. need an animal. Yeah, yeah. And as far as people hearing it scream and wail, um, that's because it's an hallucinogen. Mm-hmm. When you are exposed to the roots, therefore people hear things. Yeah, you often. see and hear things for a few minutes while you're pulling out, you know, the mandrake roots because it's emitting hallucinogenics. Regis notices that Geralt seems to be hurt Mm -hmm. and um, that he has been like wincing in pain Mm -hmm. and further is able to tell that he was healed by the dryads and broke Yeah, yes. Because of um, like the marks on his hands Mm -hmm. from the vine that they used to Mm -hmm. heal. Um, And like Geralt tells him, yeah, like I'm in constant pain. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what would you recommend for that? And Regis is like, unfortunately, there's not a lot that can be done mm-hmm. because in reconstructing your bones, mm-hmm. like your shattered femur, things moved around permanently. And mm-hmm. so you're permanently just going to be kind of in pain and being able to predict the weather. You're basically going to be a barometer for the rest of your life. And so Gerald's like, cool, I'll just keep drinking this mandrake juice and numbing my pain. Yep. And, uh, oh, uh, Regis basically chimes in and says, like, definitely avoid painkillers. You, especially as a witcher, yeah, uh, should probably avoid painkillers a bit. Avoid strong narcotics. Avoid strong narcotics at mm-hmm. all costs. Yeah. Um, so Regis talks a little bit about the scopalamine. Scopalamine. Scopalamine in mm-hmm. the mandrake root and how it will make everyone very talkative when mm-hmm. they get drunk. Like, he's assuming that he's going to hear more mm-hmm. later that night as people, they're... Uh, it's like kind of a truth serum-y sort of substance. Yeah, so I, I looked up the chemistry on this one afterwards, and I think this one's a little bit more made up. Um, it, it Scopalamine does do things, um, mm-hmm. but it's not really anything interesting. I can't even, to the point where I can't even remember what it was that it did. Uh, he's soon proven correct because Dandelion, like... <laughs> is very very talkative Um, even more so than dandelion usually is and he like loudly says that he's going to tell everything about Geralt. um Geralt is immediately annoyed because Mm -hmm. he already told Mm -hmm. dandelion he doesn't like this um zoltan says that Geralt's a living legend and that the party all wants to know about his real secrets yeah yeah Geralt still annoyed like kind of rolls his eyes and says like dandelion go ahead you tell them everything i know you were going to anyway mm-hmm. i'm just gonna go out and like get a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. zoltan's like don't take offense like these stories are amazing like you're a living legend like we see them in like puppet shows yeah, like yeah. i've caught so many of them like for instance that thing between you and a witch called guinevere mm-hmm. and like Dandelion's like, no, like that's Yennefer. Mm-hmm. And I was there and I can tell you all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or but like, I'd rather sing it. <laughs> <laughs> or like, what about, you know, the child surprise mm-hmm. and Sintra? Mm-hmm. And like Dandelion gladly volunteers to tell them all mm-hmm. about it. And Gerald's like, look, I'm going. I'm going to leave. Uh, I'm a head out. And um, like yeah. everyone's like, don't be like that. And Gerald's like, even living legends have to relieve themselves. It's <laughs> So he wasn't offended. He just really had to pee. I think he was a little offended. (laughs) He might have been a little offended, but. So Geralt steps outside and Mm -hmm. it's really, really bitterly cold. Mm -hmm. Um, He's out there for quite a while and Milva comes out and checks on him. Milva is quite drunk at this point from the moonshine. Mm -hmm. 
And like Milva sort of like, what are you moping about Mm -hmm. now? And Geralt says, you know, nothing's wrong. Like I'm not really even bothered about what's going on in there. It's just that it's been 16 days. Mm. We've only traveled 60 miles, which is not a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's another 2,500 miles to Nilfgaard. Mm -hmm. So by my calculations, it will take about a year and four months Mm -hmm. to get to Nilfgaard. Mm -hmm. Um, so Milva like kind of calls him out on his bullshit and she's like, I don't know what you want from me. Like you should really just Mm -hmm. go and find your beloved if you want cheering up. And by that, I mean, Yennefer Mm -hmm. Geralt sort of shrugs it off, says like, you never told me why you decided to ride with me in the first place. And Milva says, you never asked. And Geralt said, well, now I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Milva says, it's too late now. And I don't remember anymore anyways, which is a bold-faced lie. Mm-hmm. She knows. Oh, you know why you're riding with Geralt. Because <sighs> you got a big old crush on him. You're crushing so hard. She won't be the first woman and won't be the she last. She will not be. Nope. Um, there's many, many, many in line. Um, also, for our, our European listeners, uh, 2,500 miles is 4,023 kilometers. Quite quite a bit of distance yep. to cover. I have no reference to like what to compare that to, like as a form of travel or anything like that. But uh, as far as like as far as our travel in U.S. traveling, I think that should be about like from probably like Washington D.C., uh, which we're relatively familiar with, <clears throat> um, to like I want to say like the lower portion of Alaska. But I, I could be a little bit off on that there, maybe more like Seattle, Washington or something like that. But it's it's pretty close to almost entire across the entire continent. Right. So quite a distance. Mm-hmm. So they, Milva and Geralt, go back into the hut and the party is still raging on. And uh, they're like, great news. We've decided that Regis is going to be joining us in traveling after all. Like he mm-hmm. has no real reason to stay here. Um, Regis says, yeah, I realize that like there's a lot more going on than I thought there was. Mm-hmm. I probably won't be able to return to Dillingen anyway. So why don't I just join you? Yep. Part of the reason why uh, Regis was cool with everyone drinking his booze was because the, the local market had been destroyed by the war. Right. Um, and so he didn't have anything anywhere to sell all of this booze. Um, and so now the, with the market destroyed, like there's not really even any reason for him to stay there. So everyone's exceedingly chatty because the, uh-huh. uh, the moonshine has kicked in quite a bit. Uh huh. So, oh, this is this is like the equivalent of like everybody getting drunk on four locos. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> it, it is quite powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the distiller can't even keep up with the drinking at this point. And uh, Regis is trying to like crank more in but it's Mm -hmm. warm now um but everyone doesn't care they just want to keep drinking Mm -hmm. zoltan is going on a rant about the ruler of Mm mahakam and how he's annoying he goes on for a while about this (laughs) uh, he really hates this guy Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's kind of like oh he's too neutral Mm. um he doesn't want to do anything about the fact that young dwarves are leaving to go join the squayatel um he's he's been really neutral about everything we don't like that Mm. and uh because of this guy's actions now mahakam's a little bit safer Mm -hmm. Nilfgaard Mm -hmm. hasn't um 
you know, invaded or anything. Mm. And also the allies haven't, um, staged any pogroms lately. Mm -hmm. So really Mm. like there is some benefit to it. Yeah. And Zoltan's like, they're never going to invade because we're too valuable to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because basically all, all Mahakam has to do is just like close up shop and stop selling their metal to, to the non dwarves. And in like, to quote Zoltan, in another year's time, the, the humans would be fighting their wars with sticks and rocks. Right. Yeah. So they they need Mahakam, mm-hmm, which means mm-hmm. that they're a little bit safer now. Yes. Yeah. Zoltan tells them he's never going to return to Mahakam. Mm. But then one of the dwarves says, like, after our recent doings, like, we're going to be set for life. And yeah, Zoltan's yeah. like, shut up. Shut the you fuck shut up. up. And uh, Regis is like. Oh, that's the scopalamine for you. The scopalamine. <laughs> Dan's line is over in a corner, making up dirty limericks. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Then he's talking about everything they're currently doing, filling mm-hmm. everyone in, letting the world know about Siri and the mm-hmm. child of destiny and mm-hmm. the whole story. Yep. Geralt is big mad, mm-hmm. and Milva is crying in a corner. Yep. So this is like a typical drunken night. <laughs> so like this section got really hard to keep track of what was going on. Well, as but it, it and goes I, on, the storytelling gets a little yes. bit um, more like it more reflects, like you're, you're hanging out at a drunk frat party. Where it reflects like, the circumstances and yes. how the night tends to fall apart towards the end. Yes. And it was, um, it was someone's kinda, crying, someone's yeah. talking about someone's secrets, yep, someone's yep. angry. Yep. Um, so the gang's all here. Yes, it, like I said, I was literally sitting there. I was like. I'm really struggling to fit, to keep track of what's going on. I and I can't. I, I don't know why. And then it dawned on me. I was like, "Oh no, he's writing it so it feels like you're at a drunk frat party and like there's there's a girl crying in the corner and you don't know why. Your buddy is off, you know, off in the other corner, drunkenly ranting to someone about how ants can lift fifty times their body weight <laughs> and like how it would be really cool if we could do that because then yeah. we could jump really high too. And <laughs> yeah. he really needs you to know how cool these ants are. As as the ant guy, like I understand how cool the ants are. Okay, but like, so you're talking about yourself here a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah you, you you feel like you're at a you you feel like you're at the at a party at the end of the night yeah and so uh people are repeating their stories over and over zoltan goes on a rant several times uh-huh. zoltan goes on a rant several times against the ruler of mahakam mm-hmm. he really doesn't like this yeah, guy. he goes in a circle um but it's like when you're drunk, you just can't stop talking about that one guy you really hate. And he's getting crackers over in the corner. Did I tell you how much I hate Steve from accounting? <laughs> yes, mm. several times. But um, Steve from accounting. Uh, in particular, yes, him. He listens to smooth jazz at and low volume. Um, so eventually after a lot of this um someone looks over and sees that Geralt is sleeping and like they're like we should wake him up and Melva's like no no let him sleep let him sleep and so then we cut to the rats approaching a barn party mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's music coming out um as they enter the barn um, mm-hmm. the dance floor clears mm-hmm. and um Kaylee's like, why did it get so quiet? And mm. throws a purse of coins at the feet of the musicians. Mm. Like, play music. We're here to mm-hmm. make merry. We're here to have fun. Yep. Um, someone jumps up on one of the tables and challenges the musicians to play something she can't keep up with. Mm-hmm. This is Iskra. This is the elf. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. she also invites Siri up on the table as well. 
Um, so Siri jumps up on the table with Iskra and the um, musicians start playing. Mm-hmm. They start having a dance off. The peasants are applauding. Everyone's having a great time. <clears throat> and it, it gets progressively faster. Okay, we don't have to do that the whole time. Okay. It gets progressively faster as the rats are demanding faster, 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 faster. faster, faster. And uh, Falca, as Siri is known to mm-hmm. uh, this rough group of friends, yep. and Iskra are keeping in lockstep with one another, and mm-hmm. it's actually mm-hmm. very impressive. Mm-hmm. And so everything is getting faster and faster. Mm-hmm. We're reaching a fever pitch, and um, now there's only the rhythm, and everything's disjointed. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a freeform jazz at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And um, nothing else exists in the world but the rhythm. We are slaves to nothing but the rhythm. Yes, and so um, every everything has become the music. Mm-hmm. Like I am you, and you are me, and we are we, and we are all together. And we are Cuckoo-choo. all the rhythm. Um And so Siri thinks to herself, "I am Falca. I have always been Falca." Mm-hmm. And so everyone explodes in thunderous applause as they end on this lockstep like crescendo stomp. Yes. On top uh, of the the tables. Iskra and Siri hug and like Mm -hmm. sort of decide that if this whole bandit rogue Mm -hmm. Robin Hood thing doesn't work out, they can always fall back on being dancers. Just go be professional dancers. Kaylee in the background has started a fight with someone who shoved him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, Iskra's like, stop. We're here to dance. We are here. Brawl. We are here for dancing and, and for merriment. If anyone can keep our pace, they're welcome to join us. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. everyone partners up. Siri is partnering with a handsome young man and she feels some strong urges, mm-hmm, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And she's really happy in this moment. Mm, Like, mm -hmm. this is a moment of pure joy Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. her. And she just, we we leave her and she's still dancing. Yes. And that is the end of chapter three. And scene. (laughs) I would just like to point out. That sometimes I just have to be like, okay, that's not the person he thinks it is. No, I I <laughs> um I got missile and iskra uh, yes, mixed up because but that's okay. I knew who you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. So like, which one was on the table dancing with Siri, and which one was like yelling at people off off to the side? Uh, I got a little mixed up, but and I think that I'm glad you love me, even though I'm a little special sometimes. That's okay. I mostly know what you're talking about, though. Okay, well that's that's good that one of us does. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Um, it's interesting because I think this is actually supposed to be a dream mm-hmm. um, of Geralt. So yeah, at actually, the end that... of it, he's asleep. This is mm. something that he's thinking about, something that he's dreaming about. Oh, okay. And that would explain why he's having a happy and peaceful dream because Siri in this moment is happy and peaceful. Well, peaceful, maybe not. Because the rhythm has got her. The rhythm's gonna, gonna get, get you. Rhythm's gonna, gonna get you. That's it. That's I, I all I have. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't actually know any more of the lyrics to that song. You don't really need to. Because all you need to know is that the rhythm is going to get you. Very true. Yeah. Very true. So are you ready for a nightcap that is going to be prepared specifically I, by me? I am very ready. I am absolutely jacked to the eyeballs. All right. That's um, awesome. About, okay. So we had a, we had a, a beverage picked out. Um, we had a cherry blossom beer uh, that was a special seasonal release. Uh once again, we've we've talked about us being in the DC, the Washington DC area. 
um, it is currently cherry blossom season. And mm-hmm. so there is a cherry blossom beer that was released as a seasonal drink in this area. We decided to shelf that because Alexa wanted to surprise me with a mixed drink uh, that might be a little bit more on point for uh, our nightcap. Yeah. So let me go do that and I'll be right back. Okay. But are you ready for a nightcap? I am. Yes. You am? You yam? I am. Yes. Thanks. Let's move on. Okay. Let us move on to the nightcap. And we're back. Okay. So um, we are tonight we are drinking something that is a creation of your own. It is. Or is it? So it's, it's a recipe that you found that you've kind of put your own spin on? Yes. Okay. Okay. And it's a mixed drink. It is a mixed drink. I got the idea from our new character, Regis. Mm-hmm. It is called... I was going to say, don't tell me what it's called because I want to try and guess if it's, if it's a known mixed drink. Okay. Um, so I'm noticing that it is kind of brownish orange in color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that in a nice way. It's a very pretty color of like brownish orange um, with some little flakes in it. Um, yes. That I'm assuming are cinnamon or maybe nutmeg. Um, it looks kind of like apple pie filling. So I'm calling this, and I won't tell you the drink it's based on. Okay. But I'm calling this the Barber Surgeon. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. In honor of Regis. Well, yeah, yeah. Yep. But I will let you smell it and taste it and let me know what okay. you think it's based on. So I'm smelling bourbon um, right off the bat. Um but I, I feel like I'm kind of cheating because I know you I know you grabbed a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> um, I'm smelling. Yeah, I think I'm smelling cinnamon bitters, obviously. Um, and some sweetness there. And a little bit of spice. Um, I'm smelling just a little bit of cayenne, actually. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think I'm. I know what you might be going for here. Okay, do you want to taste it then? Yeah. Um, well, cheers. Cheers. Oh yeah, yeah. It hit exactly the way I thought it would. Um, ooh. What ingredients do you think it has in it? Okay. Um, I am going with. Ooh. That is well made, dear. Um. I'm going with bourbon. Mm-hmm. I once again I feel like I'm cheating because I know you asked for brown sugar, but sweetener, brown sugar, uh, bitters, a touch of cayenne, um, a little bit of cinnamon, um, but I don't think we have any cinnamon in the house, so maybe nutmeg, um, just enough to get a little, give it a little bit of heat. Um, it's definitely based on like a whiskey sour. Okay. So do you want me to reveal the ingredients I actually use? Um, give me a minute. Hang on. Okay. So it tastes like um like a sweet and spicy hot pepper jelly mm. or like a like a hot pepper uh, maple syrup. Um like you would have on like chicken and waffles or something. It's really really good. Um I think that's all I got for ingredients. Maybe a little bit of lemon or lime juice. Just okay. a touch of lime juice. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So it's a base of, um, it's supposed to be white rum, but okay. I didn't have white rum. So I okay. used a little bit of the remaining white rum mm. and some tequila. 
Okay. And then I layered it with lemon juice. Um, then I put in maple syrup mm-hmm. and a special ingredient. Okay. Um, you guessed cayenne. It's actually smoked paprika. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a little bit spicy. A little bit of sage. Okay. A little bit of sage, really. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Then some bitters. Yep. Then I put some bourbon okay. because I wasn't sure how much liquor it would actually have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I got an idea mm-hmm. because I tasted it and it was really sweet from the maple syrup. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, I've seen John Mark do this before. I'm going to add a little jalapeno juice mm-hmm. to give it a little mm-hmm. extra spice and mm-hmm. kick it up. Yep. So I put the jalapeno juice in mm-hmm. and that has given it a really spicy finish. It's, and got, I think, it's got a really awesome depth to it. Like, and it amplifies um, the existing flavors. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a sweet and spicy um, drink. And you're calling this the Barber Surgeon? The Barber Surgeon. It is based on the Medicine Man. Oh, okay. Which I've, I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, Medicine Man came to mind because I've mm-hmm, had it before mm-hmm. and also... I think this is such a heavy Regis chapter Yes, yep. that I thought it was so appropriate and just my little twist on it. Mm-hmm. Totally recommend it. Yeah. Um, it is very fun and I'm, I'm not actually a huge fan of sweet. So I like a little something to cut the sweet. So it's, it's just the right amount of sweet. And then the spice kind of comes in and just, just kicks it out um, just before it gets too much. Um, and it's, it's beautifully balanced here. I mean, it really is. Um, I might have to, we might have to tr- introduce a couple other people to this. You could probably just go straight with the bourbon. And I think the bourbon pairs really, really well with the spicy and with the maple syrup slash brown sugar. Um, I didn't put any brown sugar. No brown sugar. Okay. Syrup. You did go with just maple syrup. Okay. Awesome. And it does sort of have the same effect. Um, as sort of like a molasses-y, mm-hmm. uh, like interesting sweetness. Yeah. Yep. What I would say is that you could probably do this with about any liquor you have on hand. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it with something super nice, but whatever, mm-hmm. like, mixing liquid you have. Yeah. So, like, if you have, like, a little bit of bourbon, it'd be fine with that. If you only have clear liquor, if you only have clear liquor, then you'd probably be fine with that, too. I think clear liquor actually wouldn't have enough, enough depth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think I think the clear rum actually would have been would have been kind of more of a disappointment. Well, I mean, I'm sure it would have been good. Um, but I... I think the bourbon just absolutely like complements it beautifully. Um, and it does have this nice, like, like you said, apple pie filling color, um, in part mm-hmm. because, of, because of the paprika. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of, I actually saw a debate on this online where people were arguing about paprika and how like it doesn't have any flavor. If you think paprika has no flavor, then you've never had Hungarian paprika. Yes. Um, yep. so Hungary um, is very serious about paprika. Mm-hmm. And so smoked paprika is a completely different thing. I totally recommend picking up some. Um, smoked paprika makes almost everything better. My family is Hungarian in part. My grandpa was full Hungarian. Mm-hmm. So um, my family made chicken paprikash, which you mm-hmm. can only do in with hot smoked or hot or smoked paprika, mm-hmm. depending mm-hmm. on what you want the dish to be. Um Hungary is, of course, very close to Poland. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm guessing that if you're in Poland, tell me how you feel about paprika because I want to know. Yeah. Um, I love it. Mm-hmm. I am a paprika um, stan. Mm-hmm. So let me know if you are too. But I actually really like it in this drink. Mm-hmm. It Yes, it, it absolutely, absolutely brings a lot to it. 
I don't know that I'm getting a ton of the sage, though. I think the sage is kind of getting overpowered. It's supposed to be fresh. Like, oh, okay. You, you're supposed to put it on fresh, but I didn't have any fresh. Yeah, sage, well, so. nobody ever has fresh sage on hand. So, yeah. Um, that's not surprising. I could, I could, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can imagine it, actually. So, um, yeah, that, that is really, really good, hun. Um, and it, it, interestingly enough actually so um spicy type drinks uh usually actually give me heartburn um i think the the sweetness of this is actually kind of coating coating my esophagus and not really it, it's it's counteracting the heartburny nature of like spicy <laughs> mixed drinks that's good um yeah actually <laughs> i'm kind of surprised so i'm actually really really enjoying it based on the maple syrup it should only be a winter drink but i think because of the spicy if you yeah. add a fair amount of spice to it i think it could be an all year round drink yeah it's like a yeah the, the spiciness makes it different um it's kind of like a a little bit like a bloody mary or a jalapeno margarita mm yes yep yep in comparison to the the habanero uh cider we got that one time yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I can't go near that stuff. We still have a can of it in the fridge. Um, Someday we'll, we'll have Yeah. So lo- one of the local cideries made a, it was a hatch chili, um, habanero, and ancho chili um, with honey cider. Um, it's pretty good, but it like I can take all of the heartburn medication in the world yeah. and I have a sip of this stuff and it's just like agony for hours for me. So, you know, breweries have really gotten into the pepper beers, mm-hmm. um, which to varying success, I think it works better in a mixed drink because you can balance the flavors yes, more. It absolutely does. Um, um, so yep. like I would say that don't be afraid to mix a little bit of spice into your mm-hmm. mixed drinks. It definitely adds a new level and dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually not an expert mixologist. I usually mm. don't make drinks like this. Yeah. So. I was, I was going to say like you and I, like, I, I think we're, I, I think we are pretty good at making mixed drinks. Um, but we kind of make them to like our taste and like, we just kind of find things that work well together. But like, I don't know that necessarily like there are people who like straight up engineer. This is this is delicious, by the way. And I feel like it's very, very much engineered, like <laughs> basically. Um, you can't go wrong with maple syrup and a little bit of spice, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We might have to just keep doing like mixed drinks. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I was going to say I did one time in J-Dub's Brewing Company in Tampa have a watermelon jalapeno hefeweizen hmm. um that was really really phenomenal they they somehow got a lot of the the like not the spiciness of the pepper but the citrusiness of the pepper out in it um and it was just a little bit spicy and it was really really good um one of the few like spicy beers that i've ever had that i really enjoyed but anyways are we time for the la- it, are we time are we time what is time Time is a flat circle. Is it time for the last call? Damn right it is. Okay. Last call. Saved rounds. Alibis. Last call. Saved rounds. Alibis. Anybody? (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So this chapter is 
Um, we continue on the road with our cast of characters, but I think everyone's getting a little grumpy now. Like the because mm, uh, the fun part of the 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 fun idea of the trip is now setting is now gone and is now the grim reality of we're traveling thousands of miles by foot. The honeymoon is very much over, and you know, all along the road, they're seeing just the remnants of war. And like from the imagery of this decaying road that's been ripped apart by people trying to get supplies for war. Mm -hmm. And then the man who's tearing flesh off of a rotting horse carcass. Mm -hmm. Like things are desperate. Yeah. And I think that the saga has definitely had this backdrop of Mm. the cost of Mm -hmm. war. Um, but it is really highlighted, and we're getting to like a desperate stage now. Yeah, we yeah we're we're seeing the metaphoric. We're we're literally seeing the man gnawing on the rotten horse corpse. We're also seeing the metaphor of that same man. The seams of society are kind of falling apart, and um, I've heard people say this before, but really, what is society but just a series of contracts and agreements between people yes and war just dissolves that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think that's where we're at in Mm -hmm. the continent right Mm -hmm. now at least where we're traveling yes war is everywhere war is in front of us behind us around us Mm -hmm. and i think that it was a little bit easier to find cheer before because they hadn't been on the road for so long but yeah it's now been more than two weeks, mm-hmm. um, and I think that we're feeling this frustration from everyone mm-hmm. on some level. The scenery isn't really pretty anymore. <laughs> it's kind of morbid and horrifying, and after a couple of weeks of that, yeah, it, it's probably going to wear on you a bit. So yeah, I think we're, we're feeling a lot of this building tension, and everyone's dealing with it in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think like Zoltan is very optimistic yeah like, i yeah. think he's always like we're we're right behind the tamarians if we find the tamarians everything will be okay yeah yeah we just got to catch up with the good guys we got to catch up with the allied front and we'll be fine milva is a bit of a realist and mm-hmm. says you know even if we do Nilfgaard might catch up with us and then Geralt's like a straight-up pessimist like mm-hmm. all is lost at this yeah, point yeah. and dandelion's just a absurdist how can out, i make his music own out of this <laughs> So, like, what are your thoughts on everyone's sort of response? What is What are your thoughts on everyone's different, very different responses to war and what's going on around them? I mean, at the end of the day, these are all coping mechanisms. Um, these are all natural coping mechanisms that all people kind of fall back into. Um, and and it, it, it's, it's a learning, it's a way of learning the characterization of each character. Um, <laughs> It's learning like how everyone responds to crisis yes. and adversity. Um, by seeing by seeing their response to adversity, we see a little bit about who they are and mm-hmm. what they value. And a because into their backgrounds as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, because when you when you experience adversity, you tend to fall back onto the things that you know and the things that you've experienced previously that have gotten you through. So Dandelion is a good example of that in that he's literally sitting there composing music because that's how he that's how he copes. Um, his coping mechanism for trauma is writing music, um, and that's how he processes it. Um, Gerald's coping mechanism is being stoic and sultry. Sultry? S- sulky. Sultry. Sultry. You said sultry. <laughs> I did say sultry. <laughs> 
Whereas a bath when you need it. He was just sitting there in the bathing simulator. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sitting there stoically and sulking. It can be comforting Mm -hmm. um, when you're used to... When you're used to trauma and adversity, sometimes you internalize it and you feel comfortable in it. Yeah. So it can be helpful for Geralt to be like, yeah, this is just how everything is. This is, yep, here we are. This is just more war. Yeah, I I think it's just very interesting. And I think, so we think about the dwarves we've been introduced to so Mm -hmm. far. Mm -hmm. We think about um, Yarp and Zegrin. Yeah. And I think he sort of has the same outlook as Zoltan. Like, sort of this trust and faith in an institution. Yeah. Like, so I think Zoltan has like, his saving grace, his lifeline at this point is the Temerian army. Yeah. If yep. we find the Temerian army, this will all blow over. They'll fix it. We'll be yep. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be safe then. And Garpin Zegrin thought that, you know, when he was transporting a cargo for, when he was transporting cargo for King Henselt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like this false sense of security in something that you cannot really have faith in. Yes. Yep. Yeah, because the the institutions will ultimately almost always, if it is not in their interest to protect you and look after you, they're not going to do it. And who is always caught in the middle in the war? The poor people. It's the (laughs) non-humans. Well, it's usually the poor people. Marginalized minorities, Marginalized people. Yes. In the continent, it tends always to be Mm non-humans. So mm -hmm. elves and dwarves and gnomes and all of those races that are Mm non-human. Mm-hmm. They pay the brunt. And mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting to highlight how everyone's impacted differently. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and we see some sort of like there's definitely some some societal lines that are drawn along them in that like, you know, uh, Dandelion is the one who went and got an education. Geralt is the warrior who's seen this before. Mm-hmm. Um the dwarves are handling it in their own dwarven fashion as is accustomed to their society. Um, that trauma response is also something that is societally conditioned as well. It's mm-hmm. not just a, uh, it's not necessarily always an individualistic response. And I think for the dwarves, there's always that home to go back to. Like, yeah. Even yep. though um, like Zoltan seems like he really hates the ruler, obviously. So yes. He can't yeah. stop talking about him. But also, like, I think he knows if push came to shove, you can always go back to Mahaka. Yes. Like, it's going to yep. be safe mm-hmm. because there is a lot of riches there. Yeah, and yeah. they need us. Yes. They need us. They can't bother us. It's it's a safety blanket. Mm-hmm. It keeps you... Um, it keeps you from thinking, like, all is lost. Like, there's always this place to go back yeah. to. The elves don't even have that. Yes. Like the Scoia'tael yep. don't yep. even have that. They can't all go back to the elven, like, new Israel, basically. Yeah, yeah. They can't go back to the elven land that's been reclaimed in Dol Blathana because they're not allowed to. Because, yeah. yep. um, you know, the ruler made a pact with Nilfgaard to not do that Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. so in some ways they do have this privilege that elves don't even have yes (laughs) yes zoltan always has the option of moving back in with his parents um Mm -hmm. even if he doesn't like them he can the parents are always there like they'll always let him move back in it's just really interesting how 
everyone's very different circumstances are highlighted here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about Regis. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about how awesome he is? So, Although he hasn't done anything <laughs> awesome yet, but like we run into Regis in a graveyard, mm-hmm. and he's hiding in this like mausoleum. Yep. And like at first, when I met him, it didn't even I did not put two and two together. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Emil. Like I was, yeah. I kept thinking yeah. Emil. Like, yeah. okay, who is this guy? But then I realized, oh, it's it's fucking Regis. It's Regis, like Regis, Regis. <laughs> yeah. So, what are your impressions of Regis so far? Um, thus far. Like I said, he hasn't done anything necessarily super cool yet, but um, we do know that he's a very competent, um, all-around guy. He's very intelligent. Um, He knows a lot. He's experienced a lot. Why has he experienced so much? Um, Why does he hang out in graveyards? Because of the Mandrake, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one, the, the Mandrake. Why was he already in the graveyard? Why wasn't he traveling to the graveyard? Okay, tell me what you think of Regis as a character. Okay. Um, as a character, like, I think he's a really good... Um, he's kind of a really good foil to the murder hobo collective that we already have murder going on. Murder hobo collective. Yeah. Um, so murder hobos, for anyone that doesn't play D&D regularly, is basically like the term you give to um, a bunch a bunch of players who basically just go around like they give no regard to the actual plot. Uh, they basically just like take anything that they want to and just kill anyone that they want to, even if they're like a major player or like. Oh yeah, like you're you're at a you're at the court of the grand king of the entire world. Can I kill him? Well, I mean, you can you can try, but like he's he's literally the most powerful man in the universe right here. Yeah, but I want to kill him. Okay, go ahead and try <laughs> it. Um, so basically, that kind of party, right. like, <laughs> um, and they kind of are like that. And I think Regis is actually a really good balance to that because he's he's not he's very calculating. Um, he's very calculating. He's very precise. Um, and he I th- he's a, he's going to be a good balance to the to the party because I'm, he did at the end decide to travel with them. Yeah, yeah, and. I'm really interested. I actually didn't know. I seem to remember from the game that he was a barber surgeon in the game. Or he that's how he introduces himself. But no, I, so no? actually in the game, it's just introduced as an old friend of Geralt's. But you okay. don't know how he knew Geralt or like well, what I think their relationship learning. was like. So you don't have any of this background. Mm-hmm. It is hinted at, but um, like a lot of Regis's plot points, which we'll get to later don't want to reveal too much because chapter four is very much about him. Ooh. Um, so I think what's really interesting about Regis is just, he has this calm measuredness that yes. is very welcome. Yes. Um, he is able to just sort of dispel things, mm-hmm. but also be that like, he's not, he's straight edge in a way, mm-hmm. but he's not going to judge you for drinking. He just sort of st- sits by, enjoys all of the talkativeness contributes to the conversation you know, as it happens Mm. and is able to just like kind of sit there quietly. Yes. I think, and I think like, yeah, basically the rest of the party is all like pure id. Like from a Freudian standpoint, they are, they are the id that they are just like purely impulse driven, purely subjective based on their gut feelings. And Regis is absolutely not that. 
he is the complete opposite of that. Um, everything is based on rationality. Everything is based on the facts of the matter. Everything is based on the literal linear progression of cold, hard, non-negotiables. Right. Yeah. And, and that's needed in this party. Right yes. <laughs> this party absolutely needs someone to ground them because they are not grounded in any way. What I like about um, the segue into drinking, you know, mm-hmm. distillate from mm-hmm. Mandrake is that so there's pressure building, building, building. And this yes. is sort of the release valve. Yes. Yep. So we get to this point where everyone's just sort of like able to let let's, their hair down. Let's just do and this. Yes. Relax. Yes. Because even though they've only traveled like 60 miles, mm-hmm. like it's been quite a 60 It's been miles. a little over two weeks that they've all spent together. And you get a little nutty at that point. Like we need to hash some things out. Uh, and what better time to do it than when the great social lubricator is involved. Um, right. And it's Mandrake too. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. getting them talking. Yep. Yep. And in this way, as they get drunker, a lot of the dynamics are intensified and a lot of the things they've already been talking about are coming to light even further. So I think that's what's interesting is that, you know, it kind of enables their true self to be even more Mm -hmm. like revealed. A drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Zoltan talks about how much he hates that guy. Like Dandelion is telling even more of Geralt's secrets. Geralt is even grumpier than usual. Mm-hmm. Milva is crying. <laughs> like it is, everyone is just spiraling mm-hmm. out of control. Mm-hmm. Everyone's that drunk girl who's sitting on the curb mm-hmm. and trying to call her ex-boyfriend. Yep. Like yep. everyone is at that stage. Yes. It's fun to watch it devolve. Yes. We're going down the roller coaster now. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. The best part of the roller coaster. Yep. So I think that's what's really interesting about this. I do want to bring up that little moment between mm. Geralt and Milva. Okay. Um. So when Geralt excuses himself after Dandelion's mm. telling even more of his secrets. Yeah. So yep. we've gotten a couple of little glimpses of mm-hmm. Milva clearly knowing Geralt's story, knowing about mm-hmm. Yennefer, mm-hmm. sort of smiling or acknowledging mm-hmm. when Yennefer is mm-hmm. mentioned. Um. And we get this moment where she comes out and talks to Geralt and like she sort of mentions like basically she's like well if you're not happy just go find your beloved yeah you'd yeah. rather be with her yeah right? yep um and then there's this moment where Geralt asks like why did you really come along mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she doesn't answer yeah and like this just highlights to me like that Milva is crushing so hard mm-hmm. on Geralt and mm-hmm. she never is going to reveal it. Nope. Nope. She's going to take that one to her grave. And Geralt's too dense to ever realize it. So he's, it's weird. Cause like he's definitely, he should be smart enough to pick up on these things, but maybe, maybe so he, maybe he is actually picking up on when people are crushing on him. Or it just happens so frequently that he just assumes that that's just a normal facet of human behavior. Um, I don't think he even picks up on it because I think that he's just too focused on other things right now. It definitely reads like he doesn't pick up on it. But he either doesn't pick up on it or he does pick up on it and he doesn't play into it in any way. Um, And just kind of like, okay, cool, that's a thing. 
Um, I, th- I honestly think it's the former. Like, yeah. because he just seems sort of like oblivious, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. to why she's feeling that way. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I just think it's really interesting that there's these little moments of Milva revealing her hand of Milva, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. being jealous, like of these other women in Geralt's life. Um, but like she kind of realizes that it's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And and we we do see this as like we do see this as a big moment of vulnerability for Milva, um, mm-hmm. which we like moments of vulnerability because that makes relatable characters. Um but it's it, it, like we can tell that that's Milva does not like showing her hand. Um and that is a big like discomfort zone. If a comfort zone is a thing, is a discomfort it's, zone? It's going outside of her yeah, it's, comfort it's zone. Yeah, it's very much outside of her comfort zone for her. Um, so this is a moment that she she does not like this. Um, but she's just kind of putting herself out there because she's that into Geralt. Like, like she's come sort of like part of the way, but she's not going any mm-hmm, further. There's mm-hmm. like a line in the sand now. And I think that the moment's gone. I don't yep, think she's nope, ever going to reveal nope, it now. Nope, it's too, yep. He didn't ask when he should have. And that's probably fine. Yeah. It's probably for the better. Um, It would probably just complicate the party. It would probably complicate their experience together. And it might be another Triss moment. Yes. It probably almost entirely is. (sighs) Triss. Poor Triss. Yeah. Yeah. Hate Triss. Don't hate Triss. So, um, at the end... As uh, Geralt falls asleep, it's sort of implied that this is might might be something that he's seeing as it's mm. really happening. Yeah. But Siri as Falca is dancing with the rats in the barn, and it's sort of this moment of pure joy for her. It's mm-hmm. one of these moments where she's really happy. What did you feel that this scene added to the discourse? Um, it showed that Siri is able to find happiness um, and not being one of the things that maybe she is just ultimately looking for is acceptance and community and, and family of sorts. Um, and having that shared experience with others is really the thing that makes her is really the thing that makes her plugged in and feel alive and Mm -hmm. part of something. Um, that's really ultimately, I think what she is always looking for because it's the one thing that's constantly pulled away from her. Right. I I think that's very true. And she's just looking for some sort of joy wherever she can find it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she's not really Siri right now. Right now she's Falca. She's yeah, different. Yep. Like she's in a phase right now. Yep. Or maybe it's, it's not, not a phase, phase mom. mom. Um, Love you. So like I think it's really interesting though because like I think that in the group she's really under Missile's thumb. Missile has like yeah, said, yep. okay, you're mine. Now I've leashed mm-hmm. you and tethered you to me. Yep. You're going to do whatever I say and go wherever I go. But this is her like able to be on her own dancing with Iskra on a table. Mm-hmm. Like this is her. Tonight I am slaves to no one but the rhythm. <laughs> like she just is really feeling it. And I think mm-hmm. like at the end when she's dancing with these other guys and she's sort of on her own, she feels this taste of independence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do love that for her. Yeah. And I think I think she kind of... Part of the reason she gets stirrings, I think, is because, like, there's a little bit of that, like, this is what I want um, to, you know, dancing with the with the young, handsome man um, is that, like, 
this is something that is not chosen for me. This is something mm. that I am appreciating and I am enjoying. Yeah, and I think we'll get more into Missile later. Mm-hmm. But I think what Missile has sort of done is like taken a young, vulnerable person and really controlled them because they need that right now. They need that stability. And sometimes when you're looking for stability, you latch on to someone who's not necessarily healthy for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think Missile is that for Siri. But whenever she can break free, she wants to. Yes, yes. Because she gets that little taste of, of what real freedom is. And it's very sweet. And she likes it. And ownership is not love. Mm-mm. And Mm-mm. so when you see that with Missile, it's like you can't you can't really ship that. You really no, can't. No, like it's, that, it there's doesn't a reason, feel like love. There's a reason Missile isn't even one of the like conversational pieces during the shipping of of uh, couples in The Witcher. Yeah, and I'm sure some people feel that way because it's a queer relationship, but it's like, mm. again, it doesn't feel like genuine emotion. It doesn't feel like genuine love. It yeah. feels like ownership. It's kind of a semi-non-consensual uh I would say completely non-consensual. Yeah, it's completely, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, yeah. I think that it's sort of something that Siri buys into because it is a thing of comfort. It is yes, something yes. she can latch on to in an uncertain time, and yep. we all need that. Sometimes, This is this yeah. is at least safe, stable, and, um, you know, providing, you know, fam- familial connection. And we sometimes just, like, find people and even if they're not healthy for us we're like this is what i need right now yeah yep so we create this bond even though it can hurt us Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i think that is what's happening with syrian missile um and i think that we're going to continue to see that throughout the book but it is nice to see siri break out of her bonds and just enjoy herself yeah yes i loved the dancing scene Dancing was fun. Absolutely loved it. Like the entire time I'm just like, I'm grooving to it. I love the writing style in it too, um, because it feels very frantic and very like just the pacing picks up and like, I'd say it does a really good job of that, of like Mm -hmm. providing a feeling or like a, a ness or a vibe, um, when, when writing a scene and this is, this scene is a really fantastic illustration of that. Any other thoughts about this chapter or anything that you'd like to discuss? Um, I mean, I think we need to talk a lot more about Field Marshal Windbag. Well, you know, he had sort of a bit part in this chapter, but not in our hearts. He had a bit part? Excuse you? He was a little bit of a punchline, I would say. Like, look. You dare sully the, the great war record <laughs> of one of the nation's greatest heroes. The of field marshal, the continent's greatest heroes, of field marshal windbag. I don't, I don't. This is no disrespect to field marshal windbag. It's just that I think that he didn't have a lot of commentary, and I just was like, I need more from you right now. Like, I need you to say something else. Like, I need you to add something, except just Fucking to say hell. that's all you have to say. Like, really? Fucking hell. Well, apparently, he was also like lending rhymes to yeah, Dan Lyon's yeah. dirty couplets. I wanted so. to know what the rhymes were, but oh. Perhaps that's just lost to the sands of time. <sighs> I guess it is. What do you think is next for our heroes? Um,. So, I mean, they're going to set off together. Uh, they'll face some sort of adversity. Um, they'll 
fight it, maybe lose a little bit. They'll learn something. I don't know if you could be more vague. <laughs> like this They'll is learn the something about vague. the power of friendship. Um but but actually seriously, like I, I actually really don't know. Um they're they're I'm assuming like the next step will probably be meeting up with one of the armies. Um probably the Temerians, and I don't know how that's going to go down. Do you think that Geralt is going to ever reach Nilfgaard? I mean, yes, he's he's going to at some point. Um because he has to. Um but how he gets there, I don't necessarily know. I, I know that that is the point B that they're working their way towards. I know that that is the, the, the you know, we're at point, we left point A. We're like three quarters of the way away from point A. We're headed towards point B, which is Geralt and Nilfgaard. I know that that's coming. Do you know it's coming? Oh. Because, Okay. So here's the here's the thing is that we know we the readers know that she's not in Nilfgaard. So if he goes to Nilfgaard and spends in his calculations a year and four months getting down there, he's going to reach there and figure out she's not there. Mm. So here's an alternative. What if they're progressing really slowly because she's not in Nilfgaard and he's connected by destiny to her? Mm hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, I mean, like, I feel like she's in the kingdom of Nilfgaard. She's not necessarily in, like, the state capital of Nilfgaard. Um, but I could be wrong in the geopolitics of that. But um, I think the better question is, does Siri being out in the territories where she is, is that closer, is that closer or further away than where they are currently? Um, and getting to, you know... They're heading towards the capital of Nilfgaard is that is where Siri actually is closer or further away, you know? Yeah, I'm just saying that like wherever they go, like in Nilfgaard, it's probably not going to be where she is. So, yeah, yeah, this is true. Maybe destiny is leading them astray a bit. Ooh, intentionally. Hmm. Destiny uh, finds a way. <laughs> okay, Jeff Goldblum. Well, anyways... Since it is time, it seems that the fire is getting a little low. And time to put on our dancing shoes and jump on the table. Ooh, ooh, that and does sound fun. And bring the barn down. Do we? Do we get to? Do I get to proclaim myself Lord of the Dance and wear to wear a weird headband, um, and separate myself from my original dance troupe and claim that I am the real star of the show? Sure. We still have never really talked about the the riff in Irish step dancing between River Dance and Michael Flatley. I don't think that's a tonight story. That is an all the time story. All right. Let's put on our dancing shoes, jump on the table and get on out of here. Okay. I think it's time. So fire's getting a little low. Until next time, I'm John Mark. And I'm Alexa. Good night. Good night.